So this is um, Passover week. Um, these are the days leading up to Passover. And uh, that, of course, is when uh, God's people, the Jewish people, would celebrate uh, that they were slaves in Egypt and God rescued them from that slavery. And this created a little bit of tension because it was very apparent that the people were not free at this point. Um, there were the Romans who kind of dominated the landscape. And so they kind of knew, the Romans kind of knew that if anybody were to get uh, any ideas or get a little uppity about their freedom from their Roman overlords, uh, Passover was going to be a good time to do that. So Pontius Pilate would, uh, every year around this time, leave uh, his normal headquarters and he would take up residence at the Fortress Antonia, which uh, was a fortress that overlooked the temple complex, and he would bring a whole bunch of soldiers, kind of ready to go. So already tensions are a little high. Um, in my own historical imagination, I can kind of see it where a couple of the high-ranking priests come to Pilate and say, hey, we have a guy who's claiming to be the king of the Jews. And you could almost see Pilate just going, okay, here we go. Who was, out, who was with him? Did they kill anybody yet? Uh, and so initially when, when Pilate is interviewing Jesus, he wants to figure out, are you a threat to Roman security, safety, or interests? And it becomes apparent very quickly that Jesus is not that. He may be other things, but he's not going to start a riot. So in any case, uh, Pilate hands him over to some soldiers. Hey, rough him up for a bit so he was flogged brutally because it's Rome and you've got to make sure everybody knows who's in charge. And then they take him out. And that's where our reading begins. Um, they, he says, all right, here he is, and they're like, crucify him, crucify him, and, and Pilate plays with him, shall I crucify your king? You know, oh, he's not a king. And I love that line where they go, we have a law. If you make yourself out to be the son of God, you deserve to die. And Pilate has a moment of clarity, a moment of like, okay, wait, who are you? So he pulls him back in and asks him, where are you from? Maybe Pilate has a little insight that he's not dealing with some ordinary guy. Um, but regardless, it is up to Pilate to keep the people happy, and especially that upper echelon of the priests. They hold enormous political power and influence. And to be perfectly honest, Pilate's time in Judea was really uneasy. In fact, about four to six years, I think, after this, he ends up getting deposed because he couldn't keep the peace very well. Um, so, uh, when, when Pilate is like, but he's innocent, essentially, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, they keep pushing it, and eventually Pilate is like, you know what, this isn't, pardon the phrase, uh, this isn't my hill to die on. So he says, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests, like the highest ranking 
people overseeing the temple, which is the literal presence of God for them. They say, we have no king but Caesar. Really? Uh, I think the entire message of the Hebrew Bible is that God is your king and everybody else is under him. This is literally and directly the sin for which Jesus dies. We have no king but Caesar. Now, this isn't just an interesting historical exercise, um, because while I can honestly say I have never truthfully said, I have no king but Caesar, I have certainly implied, I have no king but my own selfish desires. I have no king but my own satisfaction or comfort. I have no king, but things had better happen a certain way around here. In a very weird way, we have no king but Caesar kind of reveals the problem at the root. That we as human beings have a tendency to serve and bow down to everything except for God. (laughs) And... As it turns out, there's sort of a weird law of human nature that we tend to become more like that which we serve. That's a scary thought. So as it turns out, in a weird way, we're all sitting there in this little amphitheater or wherever they are, um, saying the same thing. Uh, So... These chief priests who tend to, for, for some, or in some sense, who tend to the presence of God, have now said, we have no king but Caesar. Caesar, the one who uses crucifixion as a propaganda tool and a weapon. See, Rome used crucifixion really for those who who were a threat to Roman safety, security, or their interests, for the, the rebels, the insurrectionists, the people who were going to cause problems on a fundamental level. And they did it well. Crucifixion, a slow death by suffocation, exposed to the elements, you would be stripped completely naked, which thankfully that's a detail I'm glad all the movies kind of skip because whatever. They would make sure to crucify where many, many people would be walking past because they want to prove a point. Or, or make a point. Uh, you, you, I know a lot of the movies or, or, or uh, pictures would, will, will show Jesus way high up so you can get those really dramatic camera angles. But no, 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 they would be crucified low. They want you to make eye contact with the person being crucified as you walk by this busy street just in case you had some doubts about who's in charge around here. Crucifixion would take a long time, in many cases. 
There are records stating up to two days until you just couldn't pull yourself up to breathe. It made a statement about who was in charge. You kind of want to go back and say to the chief priests, that's your king? Wow. Okay. So Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified. Now, uh, a lot of of the movies don't get this right. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm thinking of like the Passion of the Christ, which which is a really well done, like dramatic depiction of the last few hours of Jesus' life. Um, But that's not really how it worked. In, in a weird sense, Jesus isn't that special. Rome crucified a lot of people because it made a very effective statement. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen the movie Spartacus. Um, I have not, uh, but I just know, you know, at the very end, like, I am Spartacus. No, I am Spartacus. No, I am Spartacus, or whatever. Uh, well, those are patterned after uh, real events. I don't know if that ending part is even remotely historical. I just don't know. I don't remember. But it was the third servile revolt, I think, um, where a whole bunch of slaves rallied together and rebelled in response to that to make a point about who's really in charge. uh, The Roman Empire, Roman officials, crucified one slave every hundred feet for 120 miles along the Appian Way. Jesus isn't that special. He's not that unique. Rome did this a lot. Uh, The soldiers, I mean, yeah, they they mocked him, put the robe and twisted the crown of thorns. To me, I mean, it's cruel. I'm not going to defend it. To me, that feels like soldiers entertaining themselves. Uh, They take him and actually get him up on the cross, and then we heard in our reading about um, some of the soldiers dividing up his, his clothing. I and mean, cloth, clothing like that was pretty valuable. Um, and it sounds cruel that they're like, you know, throwing dice or whatever to see who gets it. But that also to me, I don't know, it kind of speaks to a bunch of soldiers who are bored. Like, hey, his clothes, I'll play it for him. All right, you're on. It was a long, slow process, and it was, if they did it right, it was supposed to be, and they did some things that made sure that it would be, uh, some things that actually, I really don't feel like telling you, um, it's a little much. And so, you can imagine people walking along, of course, the people that get Jesus killed, the chief priests and the like, of course, they're there just to make a point. And, of course, his charges are, are up there, and, and, of course, they're going to mock him because they have no king but Caesar, and they're slowly becoming what they worship. Um, there was one movie, um, uh, it's uh, called Risen with uh, Joseph Fiennes. Actually, they did a pretty good job because there's one part where uh, Jesus is slowly 
uh, fading along with the other two uh, next to him. And he doesn't actually say this, but his whole demeanor, it's basically like, can you die so I can go home, please? That feels, that feels about right. That may come across as offensive or sacrilegious, and I kind of hope it does. Because crucifixion was meant to take the humanity away from the people who were crucified. Although if you think really hard about it over time, I think it also took the humanity away from the people who were doing the crucifying. But it was meant to be just this, you are garbage, you are nothing, we as the Romans, we are in charge, or if you want to make a theology out of it, human nature, death, evil, sin, and destruction, we are the ones that win you lose, you are not special, you are one of many who are crucified, you are so not special that we had two ready to go, and we just added a third. And then Jesus dies. Strangely enough, during this process, uh, the sun goes out, it goes dark, Jesus breathes his last, there's an earthquake, very curiously timed, and the curtain in the temple, the veil, tears in half. Some other soldiers are kind of watching this happen, and again, if I may paraphrase, they look at Jesus and say, hold on, something is very, very different here. 